He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture. Theology. Life. Jonathan, we've made it to Jonah chapter 4. Can you believe it? Three chapters down. How many podcasts are we in? I have no idea by now. (laughs) It's (laughs) taken us quite a few weeks. But we are here in chapter 4, and to be honest with you, most children's Bibles don't even include this chapter. I looked in at least three or four of the children's Bibles we have at home. And most children's Bibles just don't include this chapter. And I understand why. Nobody wants to talk about anger with little kids. It also, chapter 4 really um, sort of ruins the perfect ending. It ruins the happily ever after ending. I mean, if you think about it, all of the loose ends... All of the conflicts have been resolved in the book of Jonah so far with all the major characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, let's just let's just say this. I'll be honest about it. If I was writing a Bible, a children's Bible, I definitely end it right after Jonah chapter three. Would you really like, tie it up in a nice little bow? Really good. Uh, Jonah goes and does his job after being annoyed about doing it the first time around uh people get saved mass amounts of people uh and then jonah can ride off into the sunset uh a mini savior of sorts small s right it's a beautiful cinderella ending i mean i get that i mean yeah Ninevites were saved jonah did his job finally (laughs) the lord is able to demonstrate his fatherly heart and you can put a period on that and most I, children's Bibles do exactly that. I want my life to be that way. You know, I, <laughs> I totally want my life to be that way. I, I wanna, I wanna learn a lesson one time, and then I got it. You know, I lo- I locked it in. I'm fine. I'm happy. I understand the Lord. I understand the Lord's theology. Boom, bada bada boom. I'm on. <laughs> no, I'm on it. I'm on yeah. it. But uh, we're gonna find out here. Life doesn't work that way. Our it, souls don't work that way. It doesn't. And w- the the narrator, who I think is Jonah, by the way, he breaks into that fairy tale ending and just wrecks it. He ruins it. He pulverizes it in the very first verse. And he just comes out and says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became very angry. You know, in, in this is not ways, happily ever after. This is no, this is and, angrily and ever after, right there. And in some ways, you know, it's 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 a sad necessity. You know, we, you and I, we've been interpreting through this book. We've been asking some questions about Jonah, and uh, we we've been on this slant trying to understand what's going on with this guy, because we have all these little hints, like little breadcrumbs along the path of this journey. We're going, something's really off about this prophet. Something, like, why didn't he get up and do what he was supposed to do? Why was he so 
um, hesitant to go? Why does well, it take them? Why is the like sermon this? so short? You know, um, why is the sermon so short? What's going on with this guy? Just something's off about him. And so, if 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 you're a careful reader, if you're a careful interpreter, you're wondering about this guy. And now, finally, in chapter four, you don't have to wonder anymore. No, you it don't. all comes out. Now, I want to. I want to. Before we we read. Uh, what is scene six, which is Jonah chapter four, verses one to three. That's what we want to cover uh, f- for this episode, at least. Before we get into that, I just want to set the stage for Jonah chapter four a little bit. Just kind of look at it as a, as a larger picture in the book. What you have here is a bunch of discontinuity. This is very different from the rest of the book. On it's purpose, breaking off. It's totally different. This is way different. Uh it, earlier in the book, all you have is one-sided conversation. So either Jonah's going to God or God's going to Jonah, but there's no interchange happening. For the first time in the book, you get dialogue. There yeah, is so jo- mutual conversation between Jonah and the Lord. That's stunning. Yeah, Jonah, in, in jo- take Jonah chapter 1, for example. The Lord told, told, tells him to go to Nineveh. What's he do? What's he say? Well, he's icy cold. I mean, Jonah totally stonewalls God. I mean, <laughs> first it's really prophet bad. to do that, I think. First yeah, he prophet. just completely stonewalls God. And now, for the first time, Jonah actually talks to God. So, and you know, I I broke in on you here a little bit, and you you maybe were about to mention this, but we also have a tremendous amount of narrator input in the rest of the book so the narrator's hinting 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 now all of a sudden the narrator climbs into the back seat of the book and right there in the front seat the narrator looks on as finally the true characteristics of both the lord and jonah emerge that's right i mean we're moving from ambiguity because you know we we lambasted Jonah as we went, basically because we knew what was coming in chapter four. Uh, but most of like the details about Jonah are very ambiguous. You don't know if it's sin or not. Like, yeah, like is, we, we is his prayer good or not? Is his yeah, prayer good or not? Is his sermon good or not? You're like, well, yeah. we think it's pretty bad, but other people think it's pretty good. Uh, but now all of a sudden, we see stunning evil. Living in Jonah's heart. That's what we're going to see. Stunning evil. Oof. It's dark stuff. It's very dark. Um, and and I think, um, you know, a couple more things as we get into this chapter. We're going to get incredible clarity on Jonah's emotional life. I mean, we got to talk about this more as we go. But There's this, an incredible inside look on his psychology. Yes, it's very a very special look. Um, throughout the scriptures, I always get really excited when we get to hear about a person's emotions. And we're going to get to see a very special Holy Spirit look at Jonah's emotional life. And it's not so good. <laughs> yeah, not just how he feels, but also where his emotions have originated from and Oh man, it's it's powerful stuff. This is a rare psychological insight that we have in the Old Testament into how God deals with the hearts of his people. 
And, and yeah, and I, I would I would just add in, into that it's a rare opportunity for Christians to think about their own emotional lives. Very rare yeah. opportunity. So I hope we jump all over that. And then finally, like we said at the beginning of this this podcast, as as we talked about Jonah, that this book is not really about mission. There's some missional themes, you know, if we could use that word, maybe we shouldn't use that word, but there's some missional themes in there. But the real goal of this book is to get at Jonah in his heart and to deal with his anger, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You, you could uh, you could put this in a classification with uh, the parable of the prodigal God or the, of the prodigal son, whatever you want to call it. This is really uh, God dealing with um, his own angry children. That's his right. own sullen, angry children. He's and loving them. There's one final thing before we get into the verses. And this is something that you simply cannot see in English. And and it's almost like if you read the book in English, there's a real poverty. But there's a mathematical precision in this chapter, like in chapter one, we noted. If yeah. you if you count the words in this book. Jonah and the Lord get absolutely equal airtime. Yeah, so in chapter 4 specifically, they get absolutely four. equal e- yeah. equal airtime. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing thing. And isn't it true that it's not just overall in the chapter, like if you count the words in Hebrew, um, that they have the exact same amount of words, but it's actually true of the individual statements they make too. Jonah comes out in 39 Hebrew words with with his opening statement, you might say. Yep. And the Lord closes with a statement that's 39 words. You got uh you got Jonah and the Lord exchanging three-word sentences um following up Jonah's opening remarks and then you have Jonah and the Lord exchanging five-word comments. Um, after that. So it's really stunning stuff. 47 Hebrew words they each utter in this chapter that's really filled with dialogue, like we said. Very, uh, very different kind of chapter. Like we said, a lot of discontinuity with the other chapters, but just a stunning opportunity for us to look at Jonah, to look at ourselves, and to see God's fatherly heart. Yeah, and maybe maybe we can say this because we're going to spend a lot of time on this chapter. I think we have to. It's obviously the, the capstone of the entire. This book. is the key. This is the whole book turns on this chapter. Yeah, and, and and so as we as we work our way through it, we can say without a doubt that every single word counts. You know, it counts mathematically. Not, <laughs> yeah, not just, not just numerically and mathematically, but. But each word has a heavy theological impact on us. We should be taking each word in and saying, what does this mean for us? How does this impact? What is the Spirit showing us about our psychological life here and how he wants us to respond emotionally to what's happening in our lives? And, and especially when it comes to the name of the Lord. I think, I think we, should, we should notice this. One commentator said that, the narrator here uses incredible what he called theological sensitivity in the use of God's name. So when you see Lord all all caps, 
that's that's the tetragrammaton. That's that's the Lord, and He's acting from the side of the gospel. But when you see the name God, Elohim, Elohim is always acting on the side of the law. So He's going to take something away. He's going to act in justice um, in this chapter. So, er, like you said, every word counts. Um, every word, even the name of the Lord, is used with incredible theological sensitivity to help us really yeah like to really dig at who is jonah why is he so angry and who is god and what is his heart like what how big is god's heart yeah we we now we can say this definitely about jonah chapter four but if you extrapolate these different titles or these different names for god out into the rest of the old testament um Definitely the word God or Elohim leans toward this powerful, uh, mighty God concept. So it's Elohim who creates the world, for example. And the Lord is, he's the faithful covenant God, and we'll say more about that. Um, not that they're two different gods, but they're emphasizing different, uh, you might say, aspects of of who God is. And here, it, that gets nailed down with uh what I think we can say is some incredible precision. Yeah. It, oh, this, I hope like everything that we're saying is just lifting your heart up and be like, I'm ready now. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for Jonah chapter four. I'm ready for God to crush our hopes and happily ever after. And just, <laughs> <laughs> is anybody ever really ready for that? Or maybe, maybe that's just what we need. Sometimes those, we need somebody to speak reality to us. This is I'm feeling this way right now, and you know what? A lot of other people are too. Yeah. And so are you ready to read about Jonah angrily ever after? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hopefully not ever after. Well, we'll see. You know, that's the, that's one of the big questions of the book. Like, does, does Jonah ever come around, you know? Uh, do you want to read verses 1 to 3? That's scene 6. This is scene 6. We're All right, scene 6. Tracking towards the end here. Of, the, of Jonah, here comes. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, what, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew <laughs> that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Oh, boy, Jonah. Oh, Jonah. <laughs> oh, Jonah, what a mess. You know, I think we got to look at each of this, this little scene, each of these verses specifically. Uh, verse 1 is an incredible statement. And it just trashes that perfect ending that we had at the end of chapter 3. Yeah. And all of the English translations get it wrong. Every single one. What what the NIV has, which we've been reading from, is but to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became very angry. But what the Hebrew does is something really amazing. Um, it, it actually says, it was evil to Jonah. Very evil. So the ma'od, the the, the ma'od ra'ah, right? 
Yeah. So it was evil to Jonah. And so Jonah's hemmed in. Like all he can see is injustice. All he can see is the awfulness of humanity around him. Uh, he is he is absolutely swallowed up with the evil. Uh, and and actually the, the greatest evil in the book is is this to Jonah, that God is compassionate, that God is gracious, that even the Ninevite evil was never called great evil. It was just called evil. So the greatest evil in the book is Jonah. Jonah's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Jonah's like, you think he's the hero. Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. He turns out to be the bad guy. He's the, <laughs> he's the greatest evil in the book. He's the antagonist. And I, God's I own love, child. <laughs> God's own child is the worst guy here, the most evil one. And I think you said it right, that the whole, there's some gripping, awful irony here. Um, and I noticed you used the word uh, swallow before, like he's swallowed up in evil. All he sees is evil everywhere. And the whole irony of this is he is just, he had just been swallowed, right? Like he had, it had just, he'd just been camping out for three days and three nights in the, in the belly of a great fish because of his own rebellion. <laughs> That's right. You know, he's, he, he was swallowed up because of his evil already once. And apparently he has not learned his lesson one little bit because he's been swallowed by evil again. Look, you don't have to be inside the belly of a fish to be inside the belly of a fish. And I think everybody who's listening to this understands that, exactly what I mean by that. You can be in the most beautiful place. You can be experiencing the most sunny day and be dark as a cavern inside. That's Jonah here. I'm, that, that's exactly it. And so he's hemmed in. It was evil to him. It was to Jonah. It was very evil. And he, it was, he became hot. That's what it says. It was it was hot to him in the Hebrew. So he is he is angry now. Jonah could have responded to the Lord's compassion to the success of his ministry in a lot of different ways. He could have he could have been joyful. He could have um, had a party with the Ninevites. Welcome to God's family. You know he yeah. he could have uh, felt a lot of different things. But what came to him was anger, and and I think I think we got to explore that, Jonathan. Jonah's a victim. He he feels well. Victim, at least but... he, he he thinks he is. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know. I everyone's a victim these days. I I I think I think there's a lot of Jonas out there. I mean, Christians are victims of the greater culture. I hear. No, I think. I'm going to break in on you real quick and just because I know just to clarify this, there are very real victims. And, uh, you know, we, we can acknowledge that. And especially in this Me Too environment, so many people, so many women, especially have experienced predators. And, you know, our hearts go out to that. And I just want to be clear, that's not what we're talking about right now. We're t- Yeah. yeah. Thanks for Jonah, saying that. For that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, about right Jonah-like victimhood. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about playing the victim when you're not actually a victim. That's what we're talking about right now. And that, woof, oof. I remember a guy. I sat with him for a couple of hours, 
And it was just a litany of everything wrong that had happened to him in his life. And a lot of it was really awful. But now we're sitting there 30 years later and he's still just livid about it, still angry about what happened to him. And what can happen is bad experiences where you truly were a victim can begin to define who you are. And, and you never are able to leave the mentality of victim. Well, you know, we, we have to, he, we, when we get more into verse 2, we need to talk about, you know, how his theology really impacts his emotions incredibly. And, and uh, when we have a straight theology, we can live with a whole lot more joy. But I think right here, at least we can say at the very root of this is Jonah found out he was not the Lord of his life. And he was also not the Lord of other people's lives. He was not, the Lord was not going to allow him to control the fates of the Ninevites. He wanted him to go down. Um, and the Lord said, no, I'm not going to let him. I'm, I'm going to save him. And Jonah also found out in, in this scripture and, and in this journey that he wasn't the Lord of his own life. And, you know, at the bottom of our hearts, I think we can all admit that's what makes us the most angry in those moments in our lives when we find out not, and admittedly, a lot of good things, we can see how a lot of good things have happened because of the ways in which we've moved in life where we we weren't in control of our lives. But at the bottom of our hearts, we're, we can be angry like, Lord, I, how, how did you land me in this, into this marriage? Lord, uh, why why am I at this miserable job? I'm, I'm mad about it. Lord, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like we're, we're, and we're angry that we're not sitting ultimately on top of our own lives. It's because it's a we loss want of to control. Be. It's a loss of control, and and a lot of anger comes from that. Things that we it, cannot control. That seems ro- like our natural instinct, and to to use the words of the NIV here, that seems wrong to us. You know, not and and look, we can talk about our culture. Right. Uh, we should be able to, we live in this in this culture. We, we should be able to control our, our destinies. We should be able to pick ourselves up from our own bootstraps and and uh, find some sort of uh, dreamy life or something like that. And the culture says that to us. But uh, this goes way deeper than the culture. Um, at the bottom of our hearts is this self-will. Right. You know, that says, I want to be in charge of my own life. And we find out in in sometimes very definite uh, places that we're not, and we can explode into a depression. Uh, and we're going to see that this happened to Jonah. Uh, we explode into anger, and it seems very, very wrong to us. Yeah, I mean, I see this in my children all the time. I, I really do. They, you take away a piece of candy, you know, you take away something that they love, or that, you know, maybe their sister does it. And, and there's just an, all of a sudden this anger just explodes, this anger and tears, which is really what happens in Jonah's life. Incredible sadness and incredible anger all mixed up into this angry, sad, um, explosion in his life. And, you know, there's tears and there's, um, yelling and, and that's, that's what you got here. I, you know, I think about, um, that movie Inside Out. We, we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast about, how in that movie um, from Pixar, the the man, the the husband 
he has anger in the driver's seat. And I think this isn't just a male issue. I don't want to say that. But I think men really feel this. You know, God calls us to uh, take care of our families. And God calls pastors to pastor their church. And the more responsibility that God gives to you, the more prone you are actually to become a control freak about stuff. And when things don't go your way, anger's the result. It's not supposed to be this way. There's this yeah. low, there's a low simmer about your life. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm jumping too far ahead on this, but a, a lot of that comes from a sense, and maybe this is a segue into the rest of these verses. It, it comes from a sense of rightness that we have in our hearts, this sense of rightness that we think we know best. I'm right about what needs to happen. And, uh, anyway, I, I don't want to go too far ahead, but that's kind of where this is coming from. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've been going off about this now for a while, Jonathan, I think we're going to have to wrap up this episode here, but I don't want to leave people in a dark pit of despair. Um, wrapped up only by evil and feeling um, hotness and anger (laughs) with Jonah, um, what hope can we give to people? Well, how about this? Isn't it a better thing that the Lord has control of our lives? And I use the word the Lord on purpose. Yeah. He's the one who's faithful to us. He loves us. Uh, He sent his son for us. When he's moving pawns in our lives or knights or queens that, that we don't understand and that at the bottom of our hearts, our hearts don't agree with, he is saving us somehow. Yeah. And we're, we're going to, keep talking about this through this chapter, but sometimes we lack like a faithful and biblical imagination. Like what, if we could just see the big picture of what God is doing, God, what are you doing with this thing? This thing looks evil to me. This looks bad. And, I, and I'm, you know, honestly, I'm mad about it. If we could see it, what God is doing, this loving father who's got our best interests at heart, if we could have his imagination, the greatness of his plans, not only for us, but for the world, for Nineveh, I, I think I think that's going to do a lot of good um, with us who struggle with anger. Yeah, to lift our eyes from the, own, the plans that we have for our lives and to say, Father, I am so incredibly thankful right now uh, that you have plans that I can't see that are that are wonderful for me. And that's when our hearts stop sinking like a stone and start rising to the heights. We are podcasting scripture one book of the Bible at a time. For more information, visit www.project1517.com or our Facebook page. We do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on iTunes. You can also help with the cost of its production by giving a gift on our website. This is Project 1517.
Scripture. Theology. Life.